when I was just a, a wee little tot, uh, somewhere around four or five years old, I was with my parents in a department store, and I got separated from my parents. Uh, I'm sure that there was something shiny or something that caught my attention, and I just walked over there to it. And when I looked up, my parents had kept going. They didn't stop just because I stopped, and I, I now did not know where my parents were. And just as a, a little bitty kid, you know, that, that brought some, some fear and some angst, and I began to cry. And a, a man came over to me, happened to be somebody that worked for the store, and he said, you know, is everything okay? What's going on? And I told him I had lost my parents. And he said, well, you know what we're going to do is I'm going to take you up front, and we're going to get on the intercom system, and we're going to call for your parents. And he took my hand, and I suddenly felt that everything was okay. All the fear had left. The tears had left. And he's just going to walk me up front. He's going to take care of everything. And as we're walking along, we don't go but just a couple aisles before I see my parents over here. And they've still obviously not figured out that I'm missing because they're shopping. But I didn't even stop the man. I now felt so comfortable in his presence. I didn't stop the man because they said they were going to say my name over the whole intercom system. So we went up front, and the man picks me up, and he puts me on the, on the service desk, and he gives me a lollipop, and he gets on that phone, and I can hear it over the whole story. He said, we've got a little lost boy up here named Chris. Would his parents please come and get him? And that man stayed with me until my parents came and got me. Now, I still don't know why it took them an hour and a half to come get me, but he stayed with me the whole time. His presence made a difference. And that's very much like the way the presence of the Lord is in our lives. God is here. We use the word uh, omnipresent. God is here. He's here when I'm going through good things. He's here when I'm going through bad things. God is always here. Psalms 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's not just a present help in trouble. He's a very present help in trouble. There can be people that are present when you're in trouble, but they're no help, right? But God is a very present help in trouble. He's not just there. He's, helped to, he's there to help with the trouble. So we're in a lesson series called Who is God? And today we're going to, to look at and we're going to study God's omnipresence. His ability to be here, there, and everywhere. Isn't it awesome to, to kind of think and realize that, that God exists everywhere? In Psalms 139, verse 7 and 8, it says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. Now, Jonah proved this 
to be true. Remember the story of Jonah? God came to him and said, I want you to go and preach to the people at Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm not going to Nineveh. I'm going over here. But you know what? Even though he went over here, God was still over here. I've proved this to be true in my life. Even the day that I was born again, the day that I came into a relationship with God, His presence was there. I had come in from uh, several days of, of being naughty. I'd been out partying with my friends, and I came to, to my parents' house, and I, it was about 6 o'clock in the morning, and I just crashed in the bed. But you know what? God's presence was suddenly there. I don't know why he chose that day. Maybe my parents had been praying for me the night before. I don't know. But suddenly, God's presence was there. And I felt very, very uncomfortable. I thought I was going there to, to catch some sleep before I had to go to work. But I'm suddenly wide awake. And I'm suddenly not inebriated. I am suddenly very aware of God's presence. And I'm very aware of my sinfulness. See, God's presence sometimes comes and just exposes who we are. And I thought that if I just went and got in my car and drove away, that I could get away from God's presence. But guess what? When I got in the car, God's presence was there. When I was driving in the back roads, God's presence was there. And then when I pulled the car over on the side of the road and I got down on my knee and gave my heart to Jesus right there in the middle of nowhere without somebody leading me through a prayer, God's presence was there. God's presence is everywhere. His omnipresent reality allows him to be here with me, yet there with you. Wherever you may be, he is there, and wherever I am, he's there. God's omnipresence, yes, it seems big. It's grand. It's all-encompassing. But his omnipresence also means that he is here to be intimate and personable and accessible to each and every one of us. And I believe in God's omnipresence. I really do believe in God's omnipresence. But I got questions. You ever have questions? You know, sometimes in church we don't make it okay to ask questions. But I got questions. So if it's okay this morning, I just want to kind of go through some of the questions that I've had. So question number one is, if God is everywhere, why do I need to seek him? If God's everywhere, why do I need to seek him? I mean, we're told to, to seek God, right? Oh, uh, uh, you need some direction? Well, you just need to seek the Lord. When we get to Christmas time, people are going to stick signs in their yard, and you're probably going to get Christmas cards that say, wise men still seek him. But if God is everywhere, if his presence is everywhere, why do I need to seek him? Psalms 20, 24, 6 tells us, this is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. But if God's everywhere, why do I need to seek him? We should seek to know him personally. You see, his existence, when we talk about his omnipresence sometimes, we're talking about that his existence is pervasive. And guess what? That benefits all of humanity on some level. Matthew 5 tells us that God gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he gives rain to the righteous and the unrighteous. 
He is the God of creation. He is the God of life. He is the God of nature. And everybody on this planet somehow, some way, benefits from the pervasive existence of God. But just because someone benefits from that does not mean that they've experienced his personal existence. And to experience him personally, we have to seek to know him. And this may seem so basic, but even many of us who have made Jesus our, our Savior, we, we, we stop short and we don't seek to know him deeply. So how should we know him? We can know him as deliverer. Psalms 34 Verse 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Have you ever been in a place of fear? I'm not even necessarily talking about just terror, but sometimes we let anxiety get on us. How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to do this? How are we going to get through this? Seek the Lord. No, no, no. I need to work harder. I need to make this happen. No, you don't. You need to seek the Lord. Because when we seek the Lord, he says that he delivers us from all our fears. And as we know him as, as deliverer, we can also know him as provider. Also in Psalms 34, there in verse 10, it says, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not want for any good thing. Any good thing. When we seek the Lord, the Lord wants to provide for us. And going on there in Psalm 34, the psalmist also almost seems like he's daring us to trust the Lord. In verse 8, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's almost like a dare. I dare you. Just try it. Now, my oldest granddaughter, who's about to be four years old, every time you put something new in front of her, she goes, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't want to eat that. I, I don't like that anymore, even though she's never even tried it. I don't like that anymore. But I can't tell you how many times you're going to just try it. Just try it. Just take a little bitty bite of it. And she'll put just a little and stick her little tongue out and get just a little taste of it. And she goes, I like that. I like that. It's kind of like that story that we all read when we were kids, green eggs and ham. You remember that, green eggs and ham? I do not like them, Sam, I am. And I'm not going to like them no matter where we are. He goes through this whole thing about boxes and foxes and all kinds of things. And I'm not going to like those green eggs and ham. But the moment that he tastes it, he realizes, hey, I do like green eggs and ham. He had a perspective change. And I believe that's what the psalmist is saying here. Hey, have a perspective change. I dare you. Taste and see. Because you're going to find out that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. The verse goes on to say, God desires to be known by his people. And since his omnipresence is so big we will never exhaust the treasures of his life and his wisdom. So let's seek him. Although George Washington Carver was born into slavery in the early 1860s, by the, the 1890s, the late 1890s, he was one of the 
the most well-known and most respected scientists in the, the, the Western world. He may or may not have invented peanut butter. He developed over 300 uses for the peanut. And he attributes all of it to God. He attributes seeking God to every discovery that he made. I mean, he, he, he figured out ways to turn peanuts into soap and shampoo and axle grease and how to take the shells and turn them into paper. And he said that it was, it was all God. In fact, he said that, that he, he sought the Lord and said, Lord, explain the universe to me. And the Lord said, that's too big for you to understand. He said, so I sought the Lord for something I could understand, and the Lord showed me the peanut. And every time he came up with a new discovery, he believed that it was the Lord rewarding his faithfulness for seeking God's wisdom. He wrote one time that if I had not sought God to pull back the curtain, I would have been helpless. You know, we live in a day and time when the existence of God is even questioned. So those of us that, that we know that we have benefited from the pervasive existence of God, we need to press in. We need to, we need to seek to know the existence of God in a personal way. In Psalms 25, verse 2, and this is out of the, the Passion Translation, it says, God conceals the revelation of his word in the hiding place of his glory. But the honor of kings... Now, the New Testament says that everybody that's coming to a relationship with Jesus, that we are now kings and priests. The honor of kings is revealed by how they thoroughly search out the deeper meaning of all that God says. So let's seek to know him. All right, question number two. If God is everywhere, what's so special about his presence? If God is everywhere, what's so special about his presence? Psalms 1611 tells us that you will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. Your right, at your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Just like we differentiated between the pervasive uh, existence of God and knowing Him personally, we need to understand that when we talk about the presence of God, that we're talking more about Him being here with us and we, we experiencing a deeper place that we may call the manifested presence of God. And even though the term manifested presence is not in the Bible, but neither is omnipresent or omniscient or anything else that we've been studying, 
even though that, that uh, term is not in the Bible, it's used. We use it to describe God's unmistakable interaction with us. And we can see it very clearly in Exodus 19 when the, the, the children of Israel have come out of slavery and they've left Egypt and they're coming up to Sinai. Now God's presence had been with them every step of the way, but when they come to Sinai, God shows himself a little bit differently. He begins to speak to the children, and, it's, and it says that, that they saw fire, and when he spoke, it sounded like trumpets, and, it, and there were earthquakes, and that was God's manifested presence. They knew they were in a special time of being in God's presence. And when God's manifested presence shows up, things change. We may experience it emotionally, because just like God was using the children of Israel, he was using their senses to let them know that he was in their presence. God quite often uses our senses to let us know that he's here. Now, we say he's here all the time. Of course, he's here all the time. But there's just moments when it's different. And in those moments, we may experience something like, like weeping. Have you ever been in in, in just a time of prayer or in a time of worship, and, and you just begin to weep. It may be laughter. I, I've, I've been in services where, where uh, the Spirit of the Lord comes in and laughter just comes on people. Exuberant joy. Puckett was talking about that this morning with, with, with King David. There was exuberant joy in David when, when the ark was coming back to Jerusalem. You may even feel just a burden lifted. Have you ever walked in on a Sunday morning and you just feel weighed down from the week? Things that are going on, situations going on in life and in worship. When you're connecting with the Lord, you just feel it lifting. Now, every one of those is biblical. I can take you to places in Bible and show you where this happened to people. Sometimes we experience the, the presence of the Lord physically. You may just sense this overwhelming awe or this reverential fear come on you, and you feel it. There's times when the presence of the Lord comes so strong that people have not been able to stand. You may just feel that you need to go to your knees. You may feel that you need to lay down, but there's sometimes you just go down. And that's also biblical. When they opened the temple, it says the presence of the Lord came so strong that the priests were not able to stand to do the ministry. Sometimes the presence of the Lord comes so strong. But a lot of times, things begin to manifest. In His presence, there may be healings. There may be miracles. The gifts of the Spirit may begin to operate. But quite often, we just get silent. We just get quiet. As Psalm 46 says, be still and know that I'm God. And God can manifest himself any way he chooses to. 
We see in the Bible that at one time he chose to, to, to manifest himself in a burning bush. He's chosen to manifest himself uh, as a pillar of fire or a cloud of smoke. There was even a time when he chose to manifest his presence as a hand writing on the wall in the book of Daniel. So the question comes now, so why doesn't God show up like that all the time? You talk about it, but why doesn't God show up like that all the time? Well, maybe it's because we don't invite him to. Maybe we don't have an expect, expectation of him doing so. I was just reading in my own personal uh, Bible time this week. i just just reading through Luke. It's not like the Lord led me to this. I just happened to be reading through Luke. And I hit this verse in Luke 8, verse 40, and it just grabbed me. And I've probably read it a hundred times. You know those scriptures you're going through your Bible, those of you that like to underline in your Bible, you know, you know where you've read a lot, like Ephesians almost falls out of your Bible, and then Leviticus, you have to pull the pages apart. So I'm coming along here in, in Luke and in this verse, and I don't have anything underlined, but it just grabs me. And it says, and as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And it just grabbed me, and I just began to cry out to the Lord, Lord, have I been waiting on you? Is my expectation of you to be here with me, even in my time of prayer? Well, what about when we come to church together? Do we come with an expectation? Do we come expecting to meet with God? And are we welcoming Him when His presence does come in? Because we need to have that kind of expectation. I read a story about uh, Queen Mary, who uh, was the grandmother of the, the current Queen Elizabeth in England, and Queen Mary loved loved Scotland. She would go up to Scotland every summer, and she would spend the time with the people there. And the people loved her so much because she would just get out and she would mingle with them. And she became so comfortable with them, and they became so comfortable with her that a lot of times she would just go out and be with the people uh, without any kind of you know guard or somebody watching over her. And she happened to be out with just a, a group of kids one day when, when a rainstorm came up. And she stopped at a nearby cottage, knocked on the door, and the lady that, that answered the door didn't recognize her, didn't know who she was. And she asked the, the homeowner, can I borrow an umbrella? And the lady's looking at her going, well, I'm not going to give you one of my good ones. But she happened to have a, a tattered one. One where the ribs were broken. And she was going to throw it out anyway. So it was like, well, you can have this. And she said, thank you, and she left. Now, the next day, she got another knock on her, on her door, and, and she went and she answered it. And it was a, a royal guardsman there in all of his, you know, regal dress. And he has the umbrella, and he says, the queen thanks you for allowing her to borrow your umbrella, and she wanted me to return it. And the woman burst into tears. She said, I didn't recognize. I've missed such an opportunity. I didn't recognize that was the queen. I was never expecting the queen to knock on my door. 
And I didn't give her my best. So when we, we come together in a service, or even when we're, we're home by ourselves just spending time with the Lord, are we giving the Lord our best? Are we expecting God to show up in our midst? Yeah, He's here because He's omnipresent. But I want to experience His manifested presence more and more and more because in that presence, things begin to happen. Things begin to change. So here's my third question. If God is everywhere... Why do I feel so far away from him? In Psalms 22, 11, it says, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none here to help me. Be not far from me. Have you ever in, in trouble and in times of trouble just felt distant? That same psalm, the 22nd psalm, starts, the first verse says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, you are probably much more spiritual than I am, but there have been times when I have felt like I was just forsaken by God. Where are you, God? Where are you, God? Now, that psalm was written by David, the man that the Bible says is a man after God's own heart. Yet there were still times that he obviously felt distant from God. My God, where are you? In times of trouble, I need you. So what's going on? Truth is, the best of us have moments where we may feel distance. But what is that? Well, the obvious place to start, if we really believe that God is omnipresent and he's never going to leave us, the obvious place to start is right here. What's going on with me? What's going on in me? And we can, we, can, we can look on the negative side first. You know, have I been disobedient? Are there some things that the Lord is speaking to us about and we've, we've just not followed through with? Is there, is there something that the Lord is, has put His finger on in our lives and we've not dealt with it? I've had a lot of people, you know, step in for, for some counseling, and, and they'll say, I just feel distant from God, and I always ask them, well, did you do the last thing that, the God, that God asked you to do? They go, uh, I don't know. Well, find out. And if you can say no, that's the reason you're feeling distant. You're in disobedience. Do what God says. Another thing that, that may just happen is, you know, have I let my attention drift from God? I was telling somebody just yesterday, it is so easy in ministry to find yourself doing things for God and forgetting to spend time with God. You know, I'm a professional. I get paid to read my Bible. But if the only time that, that, that I'm really seeking after the Lord is when I'm putting together a message... I've allowed something good to distract me from what's best. You can even see it with Peter. When Peter, uh, Jesus came walking on the water and Peter, you know, Peter reminds me of me. He's got a big mouth. He speaks before he thinks. Jesus, if that's really you, tell me to come out there. 
I don't think he really expected Jesus to go, come on. Okay. And he steps out on the water. And guess what? He starts walking. But then it says the wind and the waves caught his attention. And the moment that his eyes were, were off of Jesus, he began to sink. So are we allowing things, situations, whatever it may be? It may even be a good thing. But is it the best thing? Is it distracting us? Distracting our attention from God? Here's another one. Am I allowing shame to speak louder than grace? Shame wants to speak to you. Shame wants to tell you that you're no good. You'll never make it. You'll never be any different. You can't get free. You'll never be anything. Nobody likes you. Nobody loves you. Even God doesn't want to be around you. But as I said last week, shame is nothing more than a moth-eaten relic of our old self. Now, grace speaks, and grace says, yeah, you can do it. Yes, I've set you free. Yes, yes, yes. Are we hearing shame or are we hearing grace? Because if we're hearing shame, we're going to feel that distance because you're not hearing God. But here's the often overlooked reason. God's just ready to take you to a different place. And very much like every parent in here is going to understand this when I, when I, when I show this. You remember when you were teaching your baby to walk? And you'd put your fingers down there, and they would walk. They'd hold on to your fingers, and they'd do that little walk just like this. And then they'd kind of get good at, at, at standing, and you'd let go, and you'd go, come on, come on. And they'd take that step forward, and what would you do? Take a step back. Because you're trying to get them to learn, to walk, to come closer. Sometimes God does that with us. He goes, come on. Come on, I want you to come deeper. I want you to come to a place that you've never been before, to walk closer to me. But sometimes we're still unsure. But Hebrews tells us that he will never leave us nor forsake us, so he hasn't gone anywhere. And in Revelation chapter 3, uh, he says that he's standing at the door and knocking. He's trying to get our attention, Right? But no matter what the reason that we may feel distant, there is a remedy. And I want to give it to you just real quickly. It's out of James 4, verse 8. And here's step one. Move your heart closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. You feel distant, lean into him. You feel like something's wrong, lean into him. Move your heart closer. Well, I just don't feel like I'm connecting with God. I'm going to watch TV all night. No, turn the TV off. Put on some worship. Spend some time with him. Pick up your Bible. Just begin to pray. It doesn't have to be this hours and hours and hours of something. Sometimes it breaks that quickly. God, where are you? Bang, there he is. Lean into him. Press into Him. But here's the thing. When we come closer to God and, and His light begins to shine on our lives, we're going to sometimes recognize some things that we didn't like. There may be something there. 
we've forgotten about, we've tried to, to, to put off. And suddenly we recognize there's something going on in my life. And that's another reason God wants us to draw closer. Because he wants to deal with things in our life. So here's step two, the last part of the verse. Make sure you cleanse your life. You sinners. <laughs> Always like that little add-on. You Stop acting like sinners. Move your heart closer. Be sure you cleanse your life and keep your heart pure and stop doubting. Stop doubting what? That God wants you to draw closer. Guess what? We've all got stuff. But because he's omnipresent, he's already here with us, and he's in the middle of our stuff. See, we think that I'm over here, this is my stuff, and that's God. And God's not over here with me, but... He's omnipresent, right? He can be over there. That's where I want to get to, but he can be right here with me going, let's work on this together. Right? All right, so I'm going to end with this, this little story. Um, most of you will, will immediately know where I'm going with this. In my grandmother's house, there were, there were two Jesus pictures. There's always the picture of, of Jesus knocking on the door. I think every grandmother had one of those. Knocking on the door. And it was always in the bathroom. I don't know why, but Jesus is always knocking on the bathroom door. But then there's the picture of footprints in the sand. Footprints in the sand. And if you, if, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me give you just a little synopsis. It's, it's uh, somebody looking back over their life, and they're standing with Jesus and looking back over their life. And their, their, their life's journey is represented by footprints in the sand next to the sea. And there's always... Two sets of footprints. But the person noticed that when they got to the difficult parts of life, that there was only one set of footprints. And they say, God, why did you leave me? Jesus, why did you leave me? And Jesus said, I didn't leave you. Then why is there only one set of footprints when things got tough? And Jesus said, because that's when I carried you. You see, in God's presence, when things get tough, He's going to carry us. So do you need to be carried this morning? Is there something going on in your life that you need to be carried? He's here. Do you feel distant for whatever reason? He's here. Do you want to seek Him more? He's here. Do you want to experience his presence in a special way? He's here. Whatever you need, he's here. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you that when we, we need you to be soft and tender, that your presence comes and, and just cuddles us. But Lord, there's also times when we need you to come strong and bold like a hammer. Lord, we invite you to break our hearts for you so we can be 
who you've called us to be. Lord, we don't want anything to separate us from that manifested presence. Lord, we lay it down. We lay down our rights, our thoughts, even our hurts. Lord, and we give it to you as a sacrifice so we can experience your presence. And Lord, you pour back onto us everything that we could need, all good things that we could need, Lord, you pour that back into our lives through your presence. And Lord, I pray that as we continue through this day, as we continue through this week, we have a heart to to, to seek you, to know you, to pursue you, to be in your presence. In Jesus' name.